Hello, everyone. I'm Brian Zimmerman with Becker's Healthcare. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. We are thrilled to be joined today by Lisa de Blasi-Moorhead, Associate Nurse Executive at the Joint Commission. Lisa, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's a pleasure. Of course. Today, we're going to, we're going to be discussing National Timeout Day. Perioperative Community celebrates National Timeout Day on June 9th to help raise awareness of the value of taking a safe and effective time out before any surgical procedure. And with that, I'm going to dive right in here. And beyond my very limited definition, uh, sort of setting the stage there, can you talk a little bit, Lisa, about what National Timeout Day is and, and significance? I can, Brian. Thank you so much. So National Timeout Day is really an annual reminder of the ongoing importance of taking a timeout to prevent avoidable harm in operating rooms or other procedure settings. And Timeout Day also supports nurses' ability to speak up for safe practices providing an opportunity to educate our communities, and this includes patients and families, about the importance of state surgery and how they can be better informed and be partners in their care. Right, wrong site surgery happens way too often in this country. There's some estimates that as many as 40 wrong surgeries occur each week. And at the Joint Commission, we ask organizations to report to us these never events, never events because they should never happen. We call those simple events, and we want organizations to report those to us so we can share trends, root causes, and lessons learned with others with the intent to prevent similar events from happening again. And I'm giving this introduction about those central events because at the Joint Commission in 2021, we received 85 reports of wrong surgery central events. And we estimate that we only received 2% of all central events. So that 85 reported to us could potentially be much higher across the country. And we had an increase from 68 reported wrong surgery central events in 2020 to 85 in 2021. So there's too many happening. There's an increase in reports of wrong surgeries across the country and to us at Joint Commission specifically. So this timeout day is one day, an annual reminder that this is an important never event that if timeouts are conducted as part of the preparation for surgeries and procedures, that we could see a decrease in these never events. Appreciate that, Lisa. Now that we've sort of dis- discussed the significance of National Timeout Day and, and the you know timeouts in general and these never events and why they should be wrong side surgeries, why they absolutely should not be occurring at, at this level of frequency. I'm wondering if we can move now to sort of perhaps some of the requirements or standards uh, that, that are put in place to ensure timeouts are, are performed and performed correctly. Can you tell us about joint commission requirements here that really relate to performing timeouts, specifically thinking here too in sort of the, the surgery center environment? Yes, I sure can, Brian. Thank you. So our standards, we really consider these as minimum requirements, our minimum standards, and so many organizations have tailored timeouts 
to their particular circumstances and their particular organization services that are provided. So when we look at what we require organizations, these organizations that participate with us in accreditation at the Joint Commission, what we ask organizations to include in their timeout is that timeouts happen immediately before the start of an invasive procedure or making an incision. And we ask organizations to have a standardized approach. And this standardized approach can be tailored to the organization needs. We ask that that standard approach be initiated by a designated team member, that it involves the immediate members of the procedure team, and that at a minimum, the team members agree that we have the correct patient, that we have the correct site, and that we have the correct procedure to be done. And then we look to see that the timeout is documented in the patient record. Perfect. Thank you for sharing that, Lisa. You, you know, and in your experience with, with the Joint Commission, I, you know, I'm, I'm certain you've had the opportunity to witness several timeouts at various types of organizations. I wonder if we can ground this conversation in sort of maybe a best practice example of a timeout here. Uh, can you talk about a successful timeout procedure you've seen, uh, to, just to get specific with folks? Oh, sure. And right, I have uh, in my work at the Joint Commission right now, I'm serving as our associate nurse executive, but I was also a surveyor for about six years, full-time surveyor, and I have worked with more than 300 different organizations. And so that is 300 different ways that organizations meet our standards and requirements. But in all that work that I've done at the Joint Commission, there are two examples that stand out to me as exceptional examples of a timeout. Uh, The first one uh, was related to the physician role in the timeout. And at this particular organization, it did not matter which physician, which procedure, which area. The timeout was consistent and it occurred the same way. And what stood out to me about this timeout is the physician at the beginning of the timeout no matter which physician, this was consistent, no matter the physician, no matter the procedure, the physician said, looking at every member of the team, the physician said, if you have any questions or concerns now, during the procedure, or afterwards, I want you to stop me and ask me. This patient's safety is important and it is our priority. And so that was a statement that was said, repeated in each time out, and it was sincere. You know, the physician would look at each member of the team and, you know, and and communicate to them, I want you to stop me. And that is empowering to members of the team that if this physician wants me to to stop him or her, and they're telling me now that they want to be stopped, then it's probably okay that they stop me. You know, they're not going to yell at me for stopping them. You know, they're not going to throw something, you know, if if I stop them and all these other horror stories that, you know, we might have heard in our careers about what can happen when people are questioned. If you have a physician saying, I want you to stop me, 
the team members are more likely to stop that physician and question if they see something that they think is at risk or that could harm the patient. So that was the first example that, that I'll never forget that particular timeout. The second example that I wanted to share is the timeout that I observed just within the last month. And this was something that I had never seen before. And this was what the organization called a mindfulness moment. And it was something that they had put in place as a result of COVID and the stress that all of their staff were going through and how rushed they felt. And this mindfulness moment happened when the physician said, let's start the time out. I want everyone to take a deep breath and let the stress of the day go. I want us to pause and remember why we're here. We are here right now for this patient. And then there was a tangible pause. No one was doing anything during this pause, but there was a tangible 10, 12, 15 second pause where the team was centering themselves with the task at hand. And that was the patient and the patient's needs. And after that pause, the physician then turned to the nurse and said, let's continue the timeout. The nurse went through the timeout checklist. The physician asked if all were in agreement. There was a verbal yes. And then the, t the procedure began. So I thought those were exceptional examples of timeouts, each in their own way. But I thought that would be worthy of mentioning in the podcast today. Yeah, no, I really appreciate you, you you sharing those. And I'm struck in both examples of what that probably does from, uh, not to be too simplified too much, but from like a workplace culture standpoint, just you're you're right. viewing this moment, this, this time out with significance. You're granting this moment yeah, significance. Yeah. And I imagine too, on the opposite end of the spectrum, if you're physician leader in the room, whoever is running things in the room, it views it as just like another thing we've got to do today, uh, some boxes we got yeah. to check that that is also sort of becomes, you know, a, a part of the culture. Would you say that's true mm -hmm. as well? It just becomes something people pick up on in the room? Oh, absolutely. You know, these timeouts also included an introduction of the members of the team. And so just that alone or in combination to these other examples, you know, gives value to those folks that are participating, you know, to be able to introduce themselves, to be able to have that that interaction and and that value and appreciation that the perspective that I have is a perspective that the team needs and values and therefore I'm more likely to, to speak up when I see something that could harm a patient. Appreciate that, Lisa. And before I let you go here, can you share any other insights you have, things that ASCs can do to really reduce risks related to surgical procedures, sort of uh, prevent against these, these never events that, that you discussed in our, in our opening question? Yes, Brian, you know, at, at the Joint Commission, we are in a unique position. We visit most of the, the, the hospitals in the country, a, a fair amount of the ambulatory surgery centers as well. In fact, in 2021, we visited 3,330 
hospitals, critical access hospitals, and ambulatory accreditation programs. And in all of that work, for those organizations that provided surgery services, one in 10 had an identified risk specific to their timeout process. And over half of those were related to the lack of, I'll say, participation by the immediate members of the procedure or surgery team. So, for example, it was not uncommon for us to see members of the surgical team during the timeout continue to talk with each other, to continue to prep the patient, to continue to get the back table ready and the instruments prepared so that they were not fully participating or intent on the procedure and the patient and those specific requirements. We also know, Brian, that there are root causes to harm events, including harm events specific to wrong surgery. So, for example, we know that people make mistakes, human factors. So it's the responsibility then of leaders to create systems and safeguards that would limit the potential for harm due to those human errors. Timeout is one such safeguard. Also then, it's the responsibility of staff to be accountable in following those systems that are designed to safeguard against mistakes. So for leaders, in addition to creating those safe systems, leaders are also responsible for creating a culture of safety. And we've mentioned that already, Brian, but more specifically, creating a culture where staff feel safe to speak up when they see something that they don't think is right. Another root cause is communication. It takes the entire team in order to think of everything. Not just the nurse participating in the timeout, you know, not just the physician participating in the timeout, but each member of the team has their unique view, role, experience that can contribute to keeping patients safe. No one person can think of everything that could impact a patient negatively. So what I would recommend, given all of that information, Brian, would be for leaders to observe the timeouts that are occurring in their facilities. Compare those timeouts with our minimum requirements and compare those timeouts with the leading practices that we talked about today. And then for staff that might listen to this podcast, speak up when you see something that doesn't seem right to you and let your leaders know where there may be risks in timeout and other procedures before harm reaches a patient. Lisa, that is a perfect place for us to sign off here. Thank you so much for taking the time and for coming on and sharing your insights about this. This very important topic. We very much appreciate it. Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I'd also like to thank our sponsor, the Joint Commission. You can tune into more podcasts and virtual events from Becker's Healthcare by visiting beckershospitalreview.com.